Thanks for that. It's a great way to say Hi, it. welcome to this is the this is uh the podcast I went to film school, a podcast about film school and life after film school. I'm your host, Zach Gladstone. And I'm your other host, Anthony Moss. How's it going? And uh we have a special guest on today. Natasha. Hey, I'm Natasha Levinsky. Yeah, Natasha also went to film school with us. I did York. go to film school. At York University. She was in the screenwriting program with me. Yes. Yeah, so what's up, Natasha? Do you want to go ahead and like introduce yourself? Oh, okay. Um, I wish I had prepared something. Yeah, that'd be smart, wouldn't it? <laughs> okay, anyways. Um, yes, I'm Natasha Levinsky. <laughs> I studied screenwriting at York University. I was in the um, screenwriting specialization in the film department. Kind of got that from when you said you studied screenwriting at York. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I to say that. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Okay. No, go for it. Okay. Um, yeah. I also did a minor in creative writing. Oh, that's right. You did a minor in something more useful. Yeah. Actually, it has been more useful. Really? How? Yeah. I've had two short story publications within the last right. six oh, yeah, months. You want to plug your short Congratulations. Stories? That's amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Do you want to plug your short stories? On um, yeah, sure. I guess I am doing that now. Um, my first <laughs> one is called Nocturne. Um, it is in the Obra Artifact Literary Journal. And the newer one is called Northeast and Elsewhere. And it is in Hive Avenue Journal. Are they both online? Yes, they are both available to read for free. So. Oh, my God. Oh, and accessible, too? Jeez. <laughs> I That's know. awesome. No, yeah. seriously, I'm... I'm super envious. I'd love to write short stories, but unfortunately, I suck. <laughs> but I'm working on it. I mean, I did that all throughout high school, essentially. In my, I went to a literary arts program in high school and did a lot of short story writing. That's how I kind of figured out I didn't want to write short stories. So, like, you just, you sucked for so long and then you just gave up. <laughs> what? So, n- no. That's... Yeah, no, that's what you just said. You were like, I just figured out I wasn't good. That means you no, I just it. figured I didn't like doing it. It doesn't mean I wasn't good at it. Um, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that, anyway, yeah, 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 go on, go on. Remember I held to edit one of your short stories? Oh, this yeah, was, I would bring... It? Um, you, the, the frog clown? one. Yeah. The clown one, yeah, the clown one. <laughs> I was at the frog one. Because the guy's French. <laughs> oh, wow. So that was just a racial term. You called it frog. Did I? Yeah, when you were editing it, you like retitled it. I wish I could find this text right now, but. Did I whatever. say that? It's called Nocturne. Probably. The French kind of suck. Like... Well, I mean, okay. So first off. <laughs> To, like, both of our French listeners. Um, you suck. Stop sucking. Um, no, no, I love French people. All the things I write are about, like, oh, yeah, All the French. anti-Semitism. I love it. Oh, shut the fuck up. Listen, listen, listen. Let's just be honest. Isn't frog the most hilarious sounding racial slur I have to say? Or, like, that's national how you're, that's slur? That's how you're calming no, no, the I'm situation. Just, yeah, I'm just trying to... <laughs> I'm trying to find a silver lining here. You guys are like, anti-Semitism and French people. And I'm like, okay, guys, frogs, hilarious. It is like, I mean, it's a little funny. Yeah, but to Moss's credit, he finds a lot of racial slurs funny, even the oh. ones that shouldn't be. I mean, but like, aren't there like. I'm just kidding. Or, I don't know. This is a weird topic to be talking about. I feel like we should sidestep. Okay, let's let's move off this. Um, okay, so yeah. Are you have... saying her conversation about <laughs> racial slurs wasn't productive? Oh, it's... sorry. So, let, do you want to keep talking about, like, I don't know, what's this? Th- film school, right? That thing. Yeah, that... we're talking about film school. Yeah. So, um, I was thinking that one thing I wanted to ask you specifically, Natasha, was, uh, were there any, like, key moments, key classes or professors or, like, you know, things that you look at back at specifically film school or just in general university and go, like, oh, hey, wow, that's actually, like, more useful than I thought or, like, less useful? Um, like, are there any lessons that you learned that you carried with you in your writing? I mean, yeah, like, it's hard for me to say because I actually had never done screenwriting before I went to a screenwriting program I was just like really interested in visual art and writing so it felt like a natural like marriage of the two things to be like in a visual field where there's storytelling um so I learned everything there is to learn about screenwriting essentially like the beginner's guide without like having to really crack open a book or something you know what I mean like I learned everything that there is about like three act structures and especially TV writing. I never even considered being a TV writer. Really? That was never, like, you never thought that you might go there? No, the like honestly, even when we were like taking the first TV course, I was like, I'm going to fucking suck at this. Like I didn't even really watch TV until I went to university. 
Whoa! Now all you do is watch TV. Like all I do, now all I do is like, watch Natasha, TV. When, we, when a show comes out, Natasha binges it ahead of everyone else I know. Essentially, yeah, I'm really on the ball with most shows now. But I've been, I've been better recently. But yeah, I don't know. Like honestly, the only shows I watched in high school were like procedurals. Oh, oh really? Oh my god! Yeah. You're like a middle aged mother. Yeah, because no, 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 I watched no. them with my middle aged mother. Oh, that's no. I actually kind of. Res- I, I kind of, I, I watch a lot of procedurals actually still with my older brother. He loves the NCIS shows. I Ew, find them fascinating like the because, well, okay, here's the thing. I don't actually like them, but I find them fascinating because of like, they go through the same, the characters go through the same conflicts every episode, slightly different things. And every now and then they have like a political nuanced message. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, this is interesting. And then they blow it within the last five minutes because their characters are like, oh, we can't have progress in this episode. It's a it's an episodic show. <laughs> oh so God. all the characters reset at the end. They're all just like, I guess we didn't learn really anything. The world's <laughs> cruel. And it's just, how do you how do you move forward from that? I don't know. It's You know what the worst procedural show is that I hate the most, actually, is uh, Blue Bloods. Where Blue every Bloods. episode it ends with a fucking dinner table where the Catholics are like, well, what did we learn today, everybody? And the kids look like they're reading off a fucking billboard off screen. Like, I mean, are. yeah, they're like procedurals are just so funny because they're like trapped in their own world and they like always have like the same arc. And would you ever consider writing a spec of a procedural? It's like honestly impossible for me to do that. Why? I don't know. Like, I it's honestly so boring that yeah, they're kind of the most difficult to write for. Almost. Yeah, because. Like, you really have to love procedurals to write them. Yeah, and you really have... Not only that, but you've got to, like, almost know, like, beat for beat when everything happens in a specific, that specific procedural mm-hmm. in order to be able to capture that in a spec. Well, and it's even more difficult... Sorry, Moss, this is one more thing. Because some of these procedurals have been on for, like, 25 years. Yeah. So it's like, what the fuck haven't... What, what hasn't Law & Order you done at this point after, like, what, 500 episodes? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, the thing is, you you do the same thing. I know, but that's, that's what I think makes it that much more difficult. Well, yeah. it seems like you'd have to focus more on character, right? Yeah. Like you just have to nail characters because that's. I what mean, yeah, but they don't back. focus even. They don't even focus that much on character and procedural. It's all about the plot. It's all about this random. Are you like... saying that Ice T doesn't have a lot of great arcs in oh my God. SVU? I think he's. But... I think he's had zero development since 1999. Like no, but like you gotta. It's it's such a place of like stasis where you have mm. to like you show the character in these situations, but they never change. I feel like the TV that I'm interested in personally is where the characters change and arcs change and things are done differently to like keep my attention, honestly. Yeah, I feel that. That's a very you thing. From what I know about you, Natasha, that's like a very you. Like, you're very that's into Killing rude, Eve. Rude. And fuck, oh, I, I didn't mean that as an insult. Killing Eve. Tonight is the Emmys, I'm and both so of them are nominated. Oh, man. <laughs> Dude, I, I have... I st- a- everyone shut up. I still haven't watched past the first episode. <laughs> okay, well, I won't spoil anything, but I was going to say... Um, I have, I don't personally watch a lot of TV, mm-hmm. but the recently I've been getting hooked on Barry. I just finished seasons one and season two of that. I love mm-hmm. Barry. Um, no, I haven't. It's like, I have Natasha, a lot. I can say you'd really like Barry. Okay. I'll watch it. I, I have a lot of mixed feelings on Barry, but it's fantastic. It's okay. like, I think it's really entertaining. It's really interesting, but killing Eve, it is so good, Zach. I yeah, highly, highly recommend it. Is. I know. I, I love the first episode. I only saw that, but I'm going to keep watching. It is so good. It is like, I don't think I've ever seen a a more nuanced cat and mouse type dynamic. Mm-hmm. It is just so crazy to consider. Yeah, I said uh, this to Natasha once, but um, Killing Eve is basically Kim Possible if Kim Possible and Shio were in love with each other. I mean... That sounds like a better show, but also like, where's my boy Ron Stoppable in that equation? Like, he's got it. Kind of ruin the whole analogy. It's supposed. I know they're very Shigo. And I mean, would would he be Nick, like the husband? Oh, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, (laughs) Ron's the third wheel. Stoppable and killing Eve. I mean, it kind of is Nick. Like his character is like very much. He's like a math teacher at like an elementary school. Yeah. What was the guy that was contacted with Wade? That, That old that that lady who runs the secret agent place that's wade oh my carolyn no yeah. she's not wade she's like the boss she's Just like god sandra oh being okay. like what's Whoa. the sitch that'd be great I'd, the... I'd be really remember i suggested that if you're killing you spec <laughs> yeah <laughs> call me beat me if you want to reach me there's a scene where she's leaving and she's like just call me if you need to get in touch and i wrote in she should say call me beat me if you want to reach me we got that. <laughs> Shut up. You said it twice just so we knew that we should laugh, right? I thought it was worth the, the, the repetition. I thought, I thought it was really worth it. I thought worth it was worth saying it twice. I went really hard on it. I was really proud of that joke. Why is the mic more like closer to you? 
It is kind of closer to Moss. Yeah, what the okay. hell, Moss? All right. Dick. Okay. So we just turned on me. So I'm going to try and maybe... Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to be like the devil's advocate in this situation. Okay. Okay. Good. Anyway, That's so definitely what, what Zach so, and I Okay. Need. So all that... Going back to our, what we were asking, all that oh. being said about screenwriting, what do you think was like like the biggest lesson you learn through screenwriting program that like, like specific you take with lesson? You? Like, yeah, like if about writing. One. Like if there, if there was ever something you once learned in class that really helped you and that you okay. still keep in mind this while writing today. This is like the most cliche thing and i learned it in both creative writing and screenwriting and it's show don't tell and it is like that we, is the most that is the most difficult we thing. heard it so many times and i honestly like punched a wall at one point when someone told me that to do but like honestly in my writing now it's all about action and it doesn't even matter like if you need to say something expository it's like how can you show this backstory how can you show specific things rather than just say them and I even do it in my creative writing and I think that's why like my short stories are any good is because I use my screenwriting practices in my creative writing and I try to make it as like visual and specifically action filled not like action as in like you know action movies or thrillers but like with action verbs and things happening and not just like thoughts or um, telling people how they feel. It's showing that. Well, that's really interesting because I, Cause I it's remember... like the only thing we've ever heard about writing. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I remember being envious of you guys because I was thinking like, oh, I want to take those screenwriting classes. And I remember just thinking like, I can't just like. Google like big screenwriting tips and like take it away from that. But knowing that, (laughs) knowing that show don't tell, but like also like speaking personally, I'm like so bad at that. Like I always think that I'm showing and not telling Mm -hmm. and I'll be like, oh yeah, this is so subtle. This is so new. And I'll show like a script to Zach and he's just like, so I mean like this is like a dialogue. This is all just dialogue. What happened? And then (laughs) can confirm. Yeah. I mean like it's something like I got critiqued on a lot and like it's only kind of in the later years that I really put it to practice mm. as one does. I have one more question for an entire Okay, go ahead. Like just one, one more question. Just we're, one more. We're like 12 more. minutes in. We're going to be a bunch <laughs> of fucking we're, questions. Let's wrap this up. Like people got to play. No. Um, I was wondering like, were there any non, like anything that you didn't expect to take away from film school? Like even for like outside of screenwriting, outside of creative writing, anything that you were like, wow, okay, this, this like, is at least interesting. Specifically in school? Yeah, just, you know. Anything? Um, I mean, being... Tell me there's a film theory class, please. I have nothing. (laughs) I mean, uh, honestly, I'm trying to think. Um, But in, like, the social setting, I think being in, like, an artist group of people and being surrounded by art is, like, so valuable. And you will never experience that the way you do if you go to art school or, like... I mean, we went to a big university, but, like, even if you're in an arts program, like, it's so important to be surrounded by creative people and work in an environment where you're, like, forced to keep on doing things and forced to think of ideas. Like, that is so important. I actually have to agree with you a lot. That's the one thing I miss most about, like, feature screenwriting running for television. It's just being forced to write. I don't really know how much deadlines would help me. It's like, like just being forced to get things done by a oh, certain no, point. Oh no, totally. Like when I when I I applied to like um a writer's thing whatever and I like wrote a spec script in a month and I was like I have a month to write this thing and I did it and like I actually really it's my killing eve spec and I love doing that and it was so yeah. much fun and, and like, you're something else for portfolio now like yeah, exactly. And having a deadline is so great. I mean, I just miss showing up to a place every week to talk about my progress with like other people who are doing the same shit. Yeah, and just like talking about what you're working on, like it's so it's motivating to hear. It like motivates me when others talk about what they're doing, and it motivates me to do more. Like, exactly. Like if I don't have a project I'm working on, I feel like empty inside. Like if I had the money, I would retake like feature screenwriting at York just for the sake of like being able to do it. Again. I mean, I mean? I'd probably take something different, but. Okay, yeah, really. Okay. <laughs> like a different course. Like, Fuck I me, I guess. I wouldn't like... retake the same course. But... Definitely not if you're there, Zach. Like, I <laughs> no. avoid that. What like, I meant like... is I'd take the same course because it would force me to write another feature or something, right? Yeah, I mean, th- yeah, exactly. If there was, or like doing like an artist residency program where sure. you have time set aside to do something. The artist residency programs, I have to say, at least 
from what I've seen doing, like, like uh, looking at the MFAs, like the Masters of Fine Arts, a lot of those filmmaker master level stuff, mm-hmm. they, they just get to do whatever they want. It really seems like a really sweet deal. Um, it's fucking academic Mad Max over there. Like, I, I mean, no, I, I, I don't think it's that. I think it, it's just really cool because there's a lot of, like, international, like, filmmakers getting mm-hmm. opportunities to, like, work in a decently well-funded uh, film school compared to, like, I know... Um, a lot of the, uh, like, uh, who was it? Um, not, uh, not Senna Yee. There's a, anyway, there was a fantastic filmmaker, uh, who did a documentary about, uh, these queer women living in like the slums of India. And it was like really challenging, but it was really brave. And York picked her up and like, they're doing an artist residency along with, um, I think it's Lyft. I'm not sure. Oh, cool. But like, just Neat. so cool. Like, otherwise, like, you know, th- stuff like that. And I know that I'll never get one. <laughs> Aww, like you can't say that. Yeah, I don't know that, buddy. Oh, no. I just like when you maybe right now, you're right. Th- I should be positive. But like right now, no way. You need like you need a beefy portfolio for that kind of thing. I don't know. Like to like this is like a dumb thing that I did in my past. But like I was accepted into an artist residency and I but didn't you're go. Good. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you're actually good at these things. Oh, Sorry. Thanks. But like, did you ditch because it wasn't in Paris? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty much basically it was in southern France and like a very like hard to get to place. And I kind of like got anxiety about going there oh, sorry. and then and then I just went to Mexico instead. So oh, that's right. I remember that we went to New York that same summer. Yeah. Yeah. We did go to New York. That was a fun trip. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Natasha and I went to, you know, I've been to New York with both people in this room, actually. <laughs> Back in 2016, I went to New York City with Moss. We saw like four Broadway shows. And then last August in 2018, I went with Natasha. Like, I feel like it's almost like a meme, but like New York is like very good for like experiencing art or having like artistic experience. Yeah. Do you remember going to the Met? You fucking, you were like, I died you're drooling in, the in there. Fuck. <laughs> I died. We got the I pass. Died. I didn't know. <laughs> that you could, such an art you boner. Go like... there for like three days with one admission fee, mm-hmm. and I, really I wanted to stay in New York so bad to just sit in the Met for hours. Yeah, you love the Met a lot more than I thought you would. I love the Met. It was my favorite art museum that we went to. Really? Yeah, yeah. the MoMA was actually quite disappointing. Right. Um, it was probably just like the exhibits that they had at the time, like. Also, Martin Art's a joke. So. What? No, don't say that. Sorry, you can't sorry. Say that. No, no, listen. Zach never makes huge sweeping generalizations <laughs> when he's talking about things Shut that he up. kind of doesn't like. So just take. I'm take sorry, that was too harsh. Minutes. I'm sorry, Martin. That's yeah, I mean, yeah, I, all modern art. I dragged Zach to three different art museums, so that and was. And I dragged like, you to how many Broadway shows? Four. Four shows. Okay, Except yeah. I, I went to one alone, but that's we, right. She we was split one alone. Off. I went to pretty. I went to. Uh, getting the band back together by myself and Pretty Woman the Musical. Yeah, I saw five shows that time. You, you saw, saw five because I ditched you and went to Connecticut. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> what was the one show you saw? With... Oh, I, Waitress. Oh, well, I how loved was that? it. There yeah. were pies on the stage. That oh, that's you could fun. Eat did you order a pie in the intermission? I did get a pie. That's <laughs> good. <laughs> it was good. Did get a pie. <laughs> I don't know you said that. It was just. Yeah, I, I was. Is Waitress your favorite I musical? Loved it. No, I don't think it's my favorite musical. What's your favorite then? This is, like, really difficult. Okay, so I think I have two favorites. One is a nostalgia favorite, and the first musical I ever saw was Mamma Mia, and I freaking love that musical. I'm a big fan of jukebox musicals in general. Mm. Really? Why? It's so much fun. It's like I, I don't. I'm not a fan like, of jukebox musicals like, generally. It feels like there's always a story with, like, artists. Like, I would kill to, like... You, but you prefer those musical. over musicals with like original music? No, I don't prefer. It. I would say that my second tied favorite musical is The Band's Visit. So really, yeah, you like it that much? Yeah, I cried. Me too, bro. We both I cried. cried. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Natasha and I just in other ends of the fucking theater. We we were walking out. We saw each other. Both of us had like tears running down our eyes. We was like, oh my god. Like, <laughs> yeah, that was. It was so beautiful. It was unlike any other musical. The structure was like beautiful. The it felt like an indie movie almost. It felt like an indie movie. It was so beautiful. Like, I kept, I said beautiful like eight times there. But, like, this, I can't believe that a yeah. non Hollywood structure, non New York structure, pretty much, of yeah, musicals was used and it was so effective in its storytelling. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, the, the band's visit, the musical that came out 
like uh, two. I guess 2017? it's twenty seventeen. No, twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen. Because it's I think it's the most recent thing to win best musical at the Tony Awards. Okay, yeah. Band's visit's very good. It's about this um this Lebanese band back in the nineties who has to go to um Petah Tikva um in Israel for this grand uh, Arab uh or Arab culture center that it's opening. Yes. And they accidentally go to Bechtatikva with a B instead of a P and wind up in the, and it's, which is like this small town in the middle of nowhere. And uh, if Natasha doesn't want to kick the table again. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, basically, they make friends with the people. They have to stay overnight because they have to wait for a bus to come. And it's about there just this whole night of them hanging out there and like making friends with these people. And it was fucking beautiful. It's, yeah. Hmm. That's pretty cool. I have nothing to contribute. <laughs> um, no, I, I, when I was in New York, I, I remember thinking like. Also Z- with me. I remember, <laughs> I remember thinking that uh, like Zach was trying to oversell me on musicals because I really hadn't seen that many. I remember growing up and I had seen a few, and I was always just thinking like, man, why? Like I was just thinking like movies or games would be so much better to experience in this oh, okay. musical thing. But this is also like me completely um, un uncultured, uncultured, just blatantly, <laughs> just missing the point of these things. And then eventually, like we saw. We saw a lot of good musicals and uh, the the humans. That really good play, the humans. Uh, n- non musical, but like it was my so God. fucking good. Uh, like excellent performances and like just d- we were like on like the a, edge of our seats that whole show. It, it felt like a burden. It was like a dramatic thriller. Yeah, did we? I think we talked about this in the first episode. You of this. did. Oh, what, did <laughs> we? Yeah, you did. Like, yeah, this we is all totally we talk did. About. Okay. All you talk about is New York. Can I change the subject then to Toronto? Yeah. Have you guys seen anything cool? Because Tiff passed. A few weeks ago, maybe a week or two ago now. Oh, yeah, that's right. For those yeah. of you. It, is, it was, I I liked it. What did you guys think? Um. Yeah, I saw four shows at TIFF, which is like. I saw 16 movies. Yeah, that's a lot. I Got a one-up Natasha there? You I, know, I just worked full-time. and. Okay. Yeah, like, I think we had jobs, but. I uh, work full-time as well. I didn't buy a pass. Okay, no, that's it. I didn't buy a pass. I just purchased four movies that I want. I purchased three that I wanted to see and then we rushed Bad Education. Yeah, that was fun. Oh yeah. So how was Bad Education? It was fun. It, it was, was really good. It was a good time. It was, it was a really fun movie to see with a group too because we kept whispering to each other making comments the whole time and it's a good movie to do that with. Yeah, it, it was and it was kind of intense obviously. I thought that... Um, it was he, like way better than I thought it would be. Yeah, I thought Hugh Jackman did a really good job. It's Allison kind Janey of similar awesome to like job. his last movie but... How, oh, I think it's, I think it's more... I think it's more sinister than the front runner, which you know is funny. I also saw the front runner at TIFF. Oh yeah, so yeah, no, Allison Janney was great in it. Um, yeah, but I I also saw Honey Boy, which was like amazing. I mm. loved it. Yeah, I saw Honey Boy as well. I saw the premiere too. So Shia LaBeouf was there. That's cool. Damn right. Um, I also saw Knives Out at TIFF, which was really good. Heard mm-hmm. Ryan Johnson speak. Jamie Lynn, Jamie Lee Curtis was there. Yeah. Were you and like ran- shocked? A little. So, like, I guess you could say your expectations were a little subverted with a Ryan Johnson. Moss, I want to punch okay. you in the Did you see Knives so, Out? I didn't That's get literally a just a joke for Lucas, isn't it? No, no, absolutely not. Anyway, no, I didn't get a chance to see Knives Out. You know what's Knives funny? I also, uh, I, also ran, I also saw Brian, Ryan Johnson on the street when I was walking, like, the next couple of days. Did you, did you, did you like, see? high-five him or, like, what? No, like, I just, just saw him and I didn't realize until after he walked by. it just feels like you're, like, looking for him and it's then like... you saw him conveniently. Like, it just doesn't well, feel like Well, if I had noticed it was him on time, I would have gone up to him instead of the fan. Cool. That I can't sounds... believe people, like, do, like, celeb watching during TIFF. Yeah, I, you know what's funny? You want to something crazy about that? Okay, so I used to work, I used to live in Barrie. For those who don't know, Barrie's, like, in this gross little town that's, like, an hour outside Toronto. It's <laughs> disgusting. It's the worst place on earth. Don't ever go there. Anyway, because my, my parents live there. So I uh, used to work at a Wendy's there and I had these friends uh, at Wendy's who lived in Barrie and they would only go to TIFF, get this, not for the movies, they never purchased movies, they would just go to line up early to see them walking down the aisle, walking down the red carpet to go to the movies. That's all they would go to TIFF for was that. They wouldn't ever go to a single movie, they just wanted to see the celebrities walk in. Can you fucking imagine just going to TIFF for that shit? Mm-hmm. I mean, like I get it. As someone who's like a big fan of celebrities... Like, I sort of understand it, but I'm also afraid of meeting my heroes, so I would never. I, I mean, I'm, I don't give a shit about seeing them. I'm OK. So one thing that I want to note is that TIFF actually makes a lot of its money through that because people yeah. pay through the nose to get within levels of barrier access to get to these is celebrities. That a thing? They yeah, pay yeah, yeah. You, that's why pay. premieres are more expensive. 
Yeah. Wow. And remember, a lot well, of these like people... what? They don't pay for the movie. They just pay for that barrier access? Yes. So, uh, or they they can pay for the this movie. Is, I never knew this was a thing. So, well, this is part of one of their things, too, where uh, at first... So, I, I had kind of a very mixed reaction to TIFF this year because this was one of the first years that both I got... I did get a industry pass through, uh, through York University, and uh, I had a really great time, but at the same time... Almost all of the bigger movies that I wanted to watch, I didn't really get a chance to see because either A, I didn't have pre-sale access, oh, so I yeah. couldn't get into those uh, early ticket markets, and I, like, I'm not fucking rich, so, like, I can't, yeah, exactly. I'm not a TIFF member, I can't spend, and, like, the Toronto International Film Festival is supposed to be this, like, super rad charity that's like all about like higher education yeah, and fuck like that. And, and don't and don't get me wrong. I also get that like without their mega bucks that they make during this festival, they can't really operate to the same capacity that they do hosting a lot of cool free events. But like, I don't know if their year round programming, even though it is fantastic, I will mm-hmm. admit I really like the light box. I love going to see movies there. Yeah, they. I just I like the fact that like you know these hotels are and stuff with TIFF are giving the celebrities diamond rings. And what huge, they are? Yeah, yeah. So there was like big, big loot bags for the celebrities. Mm. And my thing was just like they're already rich. Yeah. So like why? Here's are the we- thing. Here's <laughs> the thing you also have to remember about TIFF is that like okay like ten years ago TIFF was more like. Not hipstery, but they're more just like about the movies and about the good time. It feels like much bigger now. Like, do you know what? Okay, in 2008, do you know what the opening movie was for TIFF? No, enlighten me. It was okay. Sounds a little sarcastic. <laughs> it was it was a score, the hockey musical, that Canadian musical starring Olivia Newton John. Oh, really? That was the opening night movie for TIFF. And you know what? This year, I, I bet TIFF would have tried. If TIFF could have, they would have opened with like Avengers Endgame. They're so fucking Hollywood now. I mean, well, the- their opening movie was Magnificent Seven two years ago. Like, it's ridiculous. I hate it. Okay, well, these are strong words against TIFF. <laughs> I had a good time at TIFF this year. I know, but yeah. you have to admit, TIFF is very Hollywoodized now. Well, I did find that the prices went up this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you know TIFF got fucked with the presale thing? Nobody yep. could get tickets because of the presale shit. I think, so essentially from the research I did on the whole situation was, was and I know some people who work at TIFF from different angles, and from what, from what they were telling me, it was that essentially like a lot of TIFF members and bigger donor families kind of all tried to kind of jump in on once when you had your Taika Waititi film premiering and uh, you had your Ryan Johnson film premiering and you had your, I don't know, whatever male director that they want to celebrate like stuff. But conveniently enough, like even though she's in the masters thing, I didn't have any trouble getting into uh, the Alana Sabobsawin film or like any of the other female filmmakers. Gives a shit. Yeah. Because, they, and again, it's like Tiff's all about share her journey, but I never ceased. Okay. But I will admit, Sorry. I mean, I couldn't get into Antigone, and I wanted to see that so oh, bad. Oh, God. I'm so, so, it's, yeah, yeah, me too. I really want to see Antigone. That's my biggest Rowan regret. Sam saw it. You know what? It's going to, we're going to get it here, like, in Toronto, for sure. For, like, a day. And, well, it'll probably be in Tiff's Canada's Top 10, which is free. Yeah, yeah. So that'll be nice if we can, again, get tickets. Yeah, there. yeah, exactly. So. But what were you saying? Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, for the most part, I found the industry conference to be pretty informational, and, mm-hmm. like, there was a lot of really uh, engaging panels, but at the same time, like, uh, I found that uh, obviously there were some workshops and some uh, panels or conference sessions is what they called them uh, that were way better than others. Like, for the most part, it was like, oh, sweet. The director of, like, City of God is here and he's going to do a master class. And the TIFF person there just kind of interviewed him about the new movie that they're going to like, oh, and catch it at six later today. At oh, this th- I was like, yeah. oh, OK. Like, don't get me wrong. I think that. TIFF is still really cool and they're still putting on a lot. And don't get me wrong. They're doing a lot of really good programming and they're showing a lot of really good films. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you're right, Zach. And yeah, I think you guys get it. Like it's very very Hollywood. Well, it's 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 bigger. It's It's bigger. It's just it's it's bigger. And they're trying to compete with like Cannes and Berlin who are also on that level at this point. It's not that they're trying to compete with them, Mm -hmm. but they're also like they want to claim that they're more open to the public, unlike these other bigger festivals. So they want to be the biggest city. festival. A random person isn't getting into Cannes. Like, that's true. Like, and a random person is really getting to TIFF. Well, there's a lot of people who are very, um, 
like into TIFF in Toronto. Like I was talking to a lady who was like, oh, I go to TIFF every year and like has no connection in the industry. Like we're talking from like people who want to break in. We are creators. Like obviously we're going to go see a movie at TIFF. But this is just like random people, like just audience members That's who true. buy tickets and fill the seats and support us. So it's important that that is um, integrated in the conversations of art. So and also shout out to TIFF's Toronto and Media Arts or what's it called? Toronto Media Arts uh, Conference Series, which is like they get a bunch of like academics and PhDs who Mm. like otherwise don't have their papers featured a lot in other Toronto conferences about cinema and media studies. And they do a lot of cool stuff. Again, that's like something that like TIFF does completely part of like the money they make so i I have this kind of like i feel two ways about it it's like i don't like that it's getting bigger but like again then if you keep closer ties to tiff during that year round programming like you do see better stuff coming from it so it's like no yeah definitely i saw like a bunch of like tiff movies this year that were from like small small countries that have only ever seen like one movie come out of it in the last 10 years so yeah, that's true and like did you hear that thing midnight madness did where it was that ugandan film was the closing for midnight madness yes at least creators who had never even been to a film theater like that's crazy movie theater film yeah. theater Jesus. uh it's the same guys who did uh who killed captain alex which is like a very <laughs> yeah. famous um online film captain that um yeah is just it's just amazing you have to watch it it is gold like you watch it and you're instantly laughing you're instantly into it it's okay. so much fun i have not seen this so i will buckle up and... who killed captain i think it's all for free on youtube too it is just it's brilliant. kind of a jo- it's pretty great okay so i got another question for you natasha oh yes so going off rather than what's the biggest thing that learned that helped you in film school mm-hmm. what do you think was like a thing we focused on a lot in film school in screenwriting out of screenwriting that you think we didn't that you think like that we didn't need to focus on that you didn't that you didn't think was this worth this worth all the time we put into it Honestly, third year. <laughs> like, what, just all of third year? Like, what part? You want to be a bit it more was specific? So, okay, this is like gonna, this is some like serious shade, but third year was just a repetition of second year for us. And it just, it kind of was actually. Like, we just did the same thing and we were just learning the same theories over and over again, which maybe was like important to drill it into our heads, but it was literally the same stuff other than starting our features. Like, well, I, I mean, okay, to defend York a little, <laughs> we had, so our screenwriting prof was Howie Wiseman. Uh, love you, Howie, if you're listening. Love you, Howie. Um, But the issue is, it was that Howie taught us in second year and he wasn't supposed to. So what he wound up doing to fill the time in second year was a full year course is doing a lot of the lectures he did from his third year course. So then we went to third year, we had him as well. A lot of them were repetitive, like, Yeah, lectures. so naturally it was, like, repetitive. I don't really remember a specific thing that was, like, drilled into us. Um, so there's, like, no specific thing you think was, like, focused on too much? I don't know. What What do you think was focused on too much? Oh, wow, turn the tables. Um, yeah, because I honestly can't think okay, of something that right just now. gave me such a dirty look. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't I want to say... I used to think the third act, the three act structure was drilled into us too much, but but upon reflection, I like that we learned as much about yeah, it because now I know it inside out, and mm-hmm. I feel way more comfortable with it than I did going into the school and learn, after I read about it. Can I can I ask like when you guys talk about three act structure and like monomyth and stuff like did you guys cover it like because I've seen like a few like million YouTube video essays mm-hmm. talking about how like yes this one guy in his film analysis is believe it or not, going to talk about the three-act structure and going <laughs> yeah, to, like, yeah, exactly. analyze the story through this form. And again, not saying that it's not useful, and I get its importance, but um, how were you guys taught it? I'm just curious on that. Like, what Do would you... you guys say? Were you just, like, okay. like they just explained it, or, like, were there, like, practices? That, yeah, like, definitely. If... We, like, I feel like for each massive thing, so if we were looking at Act 1, we would watch a movie's Act 1 and we would analyze it and talk about where's the inciting incident, what is the catalyst. Um, same thing. Um, I... Inciting incident and catalyst aren't the same thing. No, yes, they are. No, they're not. No, they're not. Yeah, they are. No, a catalyst I... can happen before the inciting incident. What are you talking the cat- about? It's the, the same is... thing. The catalyst is the inciting incident. No. Okay. Okay, okay well, yeah, this, it is. Is. <laughs> this is a debate. What the fuck, <laughs> what the fuck do you think a catalyst is? Go, go, go okay, ahead. Okay, well, what what is your definition of inciting incident? Uh, I, I, an, some big event that happens that sets the whole character's world out of whack. Yeah, but I feel like a catalyst can happen before the movie in which like what? What 
the, what well, is the well, catalyst? Well, maybe let her finish and actually like before jumping on her. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. sorry. Okay. Sorry. So, okay. Maybe my terminology is like incorrect. This is possible. I am sitting here. Uh, Wasn't well, correct. It's just a catalyst <laughs> is an inciting incident. Like, no, but I think that a catalyst can also be something like within the story that's not just the event that happens at the inciting incident. It could be like the the character's choice or like the character's backstory that like causes them to act in this moment that is the inciting incident. So okay, wait, wait. Can I can I just give an example because I think I know what it's talking about because I agree with her. Um, so, like, let's say there's a story of this guy named Anthony Moss, and he's, like, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I rolled my eyes he's, so <laughs> fucking hard. So he's, um, he's got this, like, golden gun that when he shoots someone, it brings them back to life instead of killing them. Um, but the catalyst is when he shoots, or when he finds the gun, the inciting incident is when it, like, fires off in his pocket and, like, Whoops, it goes straight down into a grave by accident, and then it comes Yeah, I out. think, okay, I think that they can be the same That's incident. like a really good example, I think. I think, <laughs> yes, exactly. I think that I think sometimes they agree can to be disagree separate. Here, but... Okay, whatever. We agree to disagree. So, anyways, in it film looks school, pretty hard to swallow there. we <laughs> learned um, specific ex- examples for each thing, and then we would study them. So, like, we studied Act 1 so much. Maybe that's something that is, like, drilled into us a bit. I mean, I think it was drilled into us, but at the right time. Like, it was second year when we yeah. were first starting on this shit. I think that was the most important time to learn Act 1 as heavily as we did. Yeah. Because, honestly, some of the, the, use, the most useful way we were taught the three-act structure was what Natasha said. Watching a whole first act of the film, and then how we'd be like, okay, where was the inciting incident? Where was the plot, like, plot point one? Like, where was, like, the break into, like, Act 1 culmination? Yeah. Or like we'd watch we 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 are assigned to watch like two features outside class witness and uh, being John Malkovich yeah yeah and we had to fill out a worksheet where it's like hey where's the inciting incident where's the midpoint where's the act one combination where's the act two combination where's our all is lost yada 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 that was the most useful way to learn it essentially mm-hmm. and then I did a lot of reading on the three act structure myself I did like class. how um, when it broke off like I remember there's like in like the midpoint of the movie can be like a high or it can be a low. And then this determines what's where the movie ends. And like, there are inversions of the three act structure. And I feel like that's what you're leaning towards. Like it is not just this like set in stone. You must follow this structure. It's, it can be inverted depending on the genre, the story, the story, the mood you want to evoke, um, whether or not you're going to have a resolution at the end you know right so like for instance um like a movie that's like kind of split up into two like uh like chunking express by Wong Kar Wai we've oh, all yes. seen that yeah and God. like that's a California dream don't you dare <laughs> I'm not really don't a big fan of it dare what? I insult love that movie. I just thought it was okay D- uh, okay 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 all right so um okay for the record I found when I was in New York Natasha I found Moss <laughs> a Criterion edition of yes, chunking express did. Do you and that? I love it and I love it um <laughs> And unfortunately, it's with that copy I will beat Zach to death with. Um, now knowing that he's rude. not a fan of like this amazing like Hong Kong film. Okay, anyway, so Chunking Express. Yes. Um, it's split in kind of two halves, right? Yeah. Where literally like two just different stories interconnected in like playful ways, but and each one of them you could probably like put into a grid of like technically they follow a three act structure, mm-hmm. but like my question would be then what does if following the three act structure structure doesn't make the story better what's the point of trying to like drill it into your head yeah no but i'm sure it obviously like does yeah i think 99.99 percent of the time it works right yeah and then there's always like (laughs) trust me like i'm such a massive fan of like non-linear storytelling and like even in like every sort of facet of fiction that i inhale Mm -hmm. but like if you're just starting out as a writer, I think it's so important. It's like you got you got to learn the rules to break them. Mm. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! It's like- Natasha Levinsky, everybody, 2019. <laughs> put that in your pipe and smoke it. You should put that on gravestone. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, to put that in your pipe or the? Oh my grave! No, no, no! That no, all you of it, all of it on Natasha Levinsky. Just- <laughs> like put your put that in your pipe and smoke it's it. It's like a whole paragraph. <laughs> not even the year. Not even the year she was born and died. Just put that in your pipe and smoke it. No, no, I was thinking you gotta learn the rules before you break them. 
put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> she day. said before she died driving on the wrong side of the 407. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's like such a nightmare for me. Like actually. Yeah, like oh I don't my know. god. Driving on the wrong side of a freeway is like deeply a nightmare that I'll yeah. wake up to. Like, just oh my god. Then just don't do that. No, like, but no, it's a nightmare. You, you don't get to decide oh. what your unconscious oh, so mind is. I shouldn't be doing of. that in my dreams then. Oh, okay. I'll tell my dreams Shut to the stop. Fuck up, Moss. Little fucking ugh. <laughs> Okay, well, yeah. If I talk too much, Zach just gets mad. I don't even know. And, like, I'll be like, it. Zach, how, how's it going? He's just what like, are they, what, what is he's going to hear a smack on this podcast? He's going to be punching you in the face. Uh, I wonder gonna... if this is going to be, like, one of those podcasts with, like, an overarching story that you're not really aware of at the beginning. But or we're then just falling in, in love slowly. <laughs> oh, my God. We need, we, need an, we need, like, an AR or what's alternate reality game yes. that, like, we set oh, people up God. on and, like, the links of our podcast notes. Just like, ooh, whoops, we left this Google map. <laughs> There's so there's this really weird YouTube channel. It's about to my heart. There's this, there's I'm this. like I'm here like writing fanfic. Like. <laughs> and you can follow your blog and your blog about the fanfic yeah. is connected to the actual ARG. All of how writing specs for TV is just fan fiction. It no okay yes, specs are fan fiction. So, so what are that specs? You're paid to do. Sorry, sorry, not to interrupt. Um, what are specs? A, a spec. Script, which well, is a has speculative like two script. Oh, <laughs> maybe let the yeah. guest speak. Then. Yeah, Professor maybe Levinsky let the. Every... Shut the <laughs> fuck up. I am Doctor Levinsky. No, I don't have a doctor. I wish I did. I'm too young. It's fine. Um, okay, calm down. But anyways, a spec script is essentially what is used in TV, where a writer writes an episode for an existing show, and what you do is you try to make it as um, uniform to the show's voice as you possibly can, interwe- like interweave it into the storyline, make a standoff show. You can do a lot of things with specs, but they're kind of like your calling card as mm. a writer. It's supposed to be able to show people that you can take other people's characters and ideas and still execute them like in that manner. Yeah, because most of the time, if you're a TV writer, you're going to be working with a group of people on an existing show. So you literally have to have that skill. Working with other people's characters, usually, if you're in a writer's room and shit. And like, the point of the spec is like, you never, like, if you're working with a show where there's like the two, the late, the male and the female lead have been like, will they or won't they, love interest wise for the whole series, don't write the episode where they get together, right? Like, yeah. you want to keep it. You want to make this an. You want to write an episode of an sh- existing show that you could just take and plop anywhere in the series run, and it would work essentially. Exactly. For the most part. Yeah, I think there's certain situations where you can do specific timings, like um, when I was doing uh, my writing things. For what search party or like? Um, uh, for Killing Eve, oh, like the the Warner Brothers people, they're like you can. Sp- have it in between episodes. Yeah, do you but... want to explain like what this Warner Brothers thing is? Oh yeah, so the Warner Brothers Writing Workshops is a program that any writer can apply to. It's actually free to enter, which is pretty cool. But there has been um a controversy that controversy oh, that has arrived. Um, actually, really recently this year. Um, this is kind of intense to talk about, but the writers, um, the what is it called? With the Warner Brothers writing room is actually looking at legal issues because they are giving away their diversity and disability spots to friends of workers in the company. Whoa. So, yeah. Um, is it the thing that was on Reddit? Yes, it was the thing on Reddit. So, I guess, like, okay, so they've been doing that forever. Like, just, forever, they just give, forever. like, their roles to their friends, this but then just... now they're like, oh, crap, we have to, like, diversify our staff? Do we have any disabled friends like oh that's so but wait are they not even like they don't even fit the bill wow it is that's literally disgusting. That's yeah disgusting. um like this uh disability Talk law about some advocate tea. yeah this is some this is some steeped hot chai tea everybody <laughs> wow that's awful yeah um so, so you know what it was a great program until recent events which have probably been going on forever but anyways you can apply to these programs for free as a writer um, and without, not get picked because they're giving it to their cousins. And not get picked. But anyways, in this program, they specified that you could write a specific episode that was wedged between episodes in a, in a spec. They specified that? Yeah, they said you oh. could do that. You would just have to specify what episodes. You would say episode Well, yeah, they said seven. that for a couple of years ago, too, that if you're doing a drama, you have to put like a previously on so we can know like where it is in the context. Yeah, which is natural, and yeah. it's fine to That's insert fair. yourself. Because a lot of the times when you're just brainstorming in a writing room... Um, that 
you can just wedge in an episode in case you need to, yeah. you know? Like, it it's just natural and you should be able to have that skill as well. Yeah. So don't feel like you have to write an episode that is very um, singular, but still within the confines of the narrative. Right. Hmm. So I guess, now I'm curious though, if you could do a spec episode from like one of your favorite shows and maybe it's already killing Eve or whatever, but yeah. like what, what would you do? And like, if you didn't have like specific rules, like you could write a dream episode of any one show and it would, and it would just be made. Like, what would it be? I if mean, you can pick one. I, I feel like I would write, if Legion was still on the air, I would write mm. a Legion episode and I would definitely like, even though the new season tied into the comics way more, I think I would do like a very comic based episode and it would totally fit because it's mainly a dream episode each episode anyways. Mm. But that's something that I would love to do. But I can't because you shouldn't write specs for shows that have ended, everybody. Oh, yeah. Don't do that. That's <laughs> a bad idea. Don't do that. It's like a no, big no-no. Also, you shouldn't write specs for shows that have been on for like 20 plus seasons. So like no Young and the Restless specs. Like, <laughs> you know well, what? No. Uh, no, you shouldn't. You can't. I've talked to I met some people hmm. like some like writers that like the Toronto Screenwriting Conference. Okay, well like, then write a Jane the Virgin is basically the same. Well that's already that's off it's the top here oh, too. No. Find a telenovela and write for it. If you want to write soaps. Hmm. Do people write specs for soaps? What, what is that? Like the, uh, Soaps are popular. You should I know soaps are popular, but do people I never heard of anybody specking a soap and not a primetime show. Um, yeah, I don't know. None of my friends have. None of my friends have either. So we are the same. We're the same friends, friends essentially. <laughs> Well, that's, I mean, that sounds pretty interesting though, right? Like, were you guys, was this actually like the information that you were privy to only because of film school or was this just like stuff that you learned through osmosis through talking with other writers or I, collection of the two? I learned this um, just from reading up on TV, writing on my own. Like I knew what this was going into first year that people were specs. I TV learned shows. all of this in university. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Because I mean, I, I so far uh, talking to, um some undergrads that i'll be teaching next or in the winter term like mm -hmm. it, people they are not excited like every stream i talk to oh. like I, I i substitute ta this one class and it was a bunch of first years so what i was like oh my god this is kind of cool because i was like here like a few years ago you know that mm -hmm. so i started asking like oh what stream are you guys from and that was the cms people i know there's media Cute. arts which is that like in between between production and cms oh. it's a new program it's I have my own. Anyway, we'll talk about that later, but like, okay. uh, maybe another day, but, uh, and you know, people were just putting up their hands and everyone I asked everyone, production, screenwriting, media arts, cinema, media studies, every single one of them was just like, we don't really know like what's good. Like everyone was just kind of talking about like, like about the program or like art about the program, about everything. That's weird. It seems like, and, and perhaps I got a, not a bad batch, but perhaps a less, informed batch of mm -hmm. students but i i worry that um as as these programs get bigger as film schools try to take on more while still keeping their projects refined and very like high art focused um we get a bunch of people who are like oh yeah i want to make the next spider-man movie and they're just like yeah cool have you seen jean dealman it's three and a half hours long and <laughs> we're gonna watch it in lecture today it's like there's just so much disconnect. So I'm glad you guys got that kind of information. Because what year are these students? These are first years, to be fair. But I, still... See, that kind of explains no, it. No, no, I get that. But, like, at the same time, like, I'm... I don't know, like... I mean, I don't know. Because, like, when I went to first year, I was like, I want to be Wes Anderson. And, yeah. like, that was, like, who I was. When I was in first year, I wanted to you make guys, a like, you're not still that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? He still exists within me, but... <laughs> like, your fucking spirit animal. Did you guys see that image of... Did you guys see that image of, uh... Of Wes Anderson next to an image of Michael Bay, and like Michael Bay is like the higher evolved version. No, like like he's a Pokemon because he's just like he had the same haircut, same kind of face. Except Michael Bay's ripped and he has a stronger jaw and he's taller. But I'm like, but Wes Anderson's like, like actually good. Anyway, yeah. Whatever, that's all. But um, that's strange that they have like. 
I don't even know what to say. So, like, they just want to create, like, Hollywood films? Is that what you're saying? Like, or they just have no really knowledge I, about the film industry? I When I asked, like, because I, I prefaced it, right? Like, I, w- I initially went into the, this being like, hey, when I started in my first year, like, I wanted to make, I literally, my goal was to make the next Die Hard. I wanted to make a yeah. Spider-Man movie. Like, I had these big Hollywood goals, and I mm-hmm. thought I was going to move out to L.A., and then I saw Chunking Express, and I saw, you know, like, Agnes Barda film, oh. and I was like, became the a hipster. And, I. <laughs> and then I became a, I'm giving me hipster. Yeah. No, but like, yeah. I was like, oh, you know, there's more to this. So I was trying to like, get them into that idea of like, just be open-minded, be as open-minded as possible. And they were all like, no, we are. And like, we don't know. Like people were like, we already know. Like this one guy was like, he's a very vocal older student, but he was like, oh, we worst. already know. <laughs> I know, but like, but no, he <laughs> wasn't, he wasn't that bad. Him. He was like, RIP. Um, we had this older student who was like, I'm nervous because I know that like it seems every single thing in the film market that I've been that we've been talking to already throughout this first throughout our first year seems like a leap of faith. Trying to get into features is a leap of faith. Mm-hmm. Trying to do shorts is a leap of faith. Yeah. Trying to do music videos is a leap of faith. Trying to do docs is kind of becoming a leap of faith. Even in Canada where we still have a suitable doc industry. Mm-hmm. Like we have no feature film industry though. No. Um no, not right now. And maybe it'll change, but like I don't know. It, to me, I'm just so impressed that you guys got like clear, concrete information because it seems even from the fourth years. I remember when I was in my fourth year mm-hmm. or actually I was in my third year and we were in a theory class and we had there was a fourth year CMS student who like stayed after because I was talking to a professor because I'm a teacher's pet. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, you are. yeah, I'll admit it. But like she was there and I, I figured she was like waiting to ask the teacher a question. Mm-hmm. and the the TA who's leaving, she was like, she's an awesome PhD. She asked the the, the fourth-year undergrad, what did you think of the movie? And she's like, oh, I slept through it. I can't sit through black-and-white movies. Are you serious? And now, at first, I was like, okay, I'm going to be open-minded. Some people have taste. And I was like, you're in fourth-year in cinema and media studies. Your job is easier yeah. than making movies. It's watching movies and writing about them. And she's like, How can you not watch? Movies. Like, there's so many movies that now are blocked off to you. Now you can't study because yeah. your preference is that you can't watch a black and white film. And some of the best movies are black and white. Many of the best. Yeah. You can't watch Casablanca. You can't watch The Third Man. Well, it's like, you, I don't understand people who are like, oh, I can't watch foreign movies. I can't stand subtitles. And I'm like, uh, you're locking it's yourself off. It's a little bit of me. But like, but like I'm usually like with my dad. My dad's dyslexic, so mm-hmm. I kind of get it. Okay, that's so different. you know that that's like a perfectly reasonable because it's like reading a movie. Like. My my no, but my 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 uh, my mom was You're just a like scriptwriter. You should read movies. Yeah, you should leave read. me alone. <laughs> <laughs> fuck off. What a great defense there. Like you were just ready with a rebuttal. You're just like fuck, fuck off, man. Anyway, gets your point. Sorry, my point was that like. Film school is like changing a lot. So no, I didn't really have much of a point other than like. I am. That's great. You didn't have a point, everybody. <laughs> really, I was just rambling. No, but like you know, I, I'm I'm glad to know that at least you guys are getting like concrete, tangible information because it doesn't seem like people are getting that anymore. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. In first year, I was like, "What the fuck am I doing here?" Like, as someone who had never written a script before, I was taking a massive leap of faith. But like, I genuinely enjoyed my time at film school. And while there were things that were like really iffy and like it. You know, like film school took away everything I had about being a director and like threw it out the window and then stomped on students. it and then ran over with it on with a car and then like threw her in the back seat and then buried her in a farm field. <laughs> but like Whoa, Jesus. <laughs> That's a lot. But like for the most part, like it made me really realize that like I loved creating art. You know, Mm. and like I would never stop doing that regardless of like where I would be, you know, like here I am. What is it? Two years now? We're on our second year out of university. Oh, is that weird? Yeah, it is weird. And like, you know, like I'm still creating. Like maybe I'm not doing exactly. I, you know, like I'm not making a movie, like a feature film right now. But, (laughs) but like I'm having like a good time, you know? Yeah, we're creating right here. We're making a fucking podcast. You're, we're you're, doing stuff. you're making a podcast. Yeah, we're definitely making a podcast. <laughs> that's, this is what's happening. That's what's happening right now. Um, okay, I think we start to wrap up because we're almost at our hour count. Yeah, so Zach, let's let's update our listener, uh, sorry, listeners about um, our current project to watch each other's movies. Oh, yeah. So what we, did you think of the movie I recommended you? So we started a thing where Moss and I recommend each other a movie each month. Oh, yes. By the next episode, we have to watch it. Mm-hmm. So neither of us watch each other's movies. <laughs> 
This is this is partially due to Tiff. Yeah, this of. we have an excuse, Tiff. We will okay. watch them for next thing. We will watch the same. We are watch the movies. Yeah, yeah. Should we sign extra movies for next class episode, or just try to stick with these L- for now? Let's let's do what we can because obviously yeah, we're, we're, we're having trouble already. Natasha, do you have a movie? Because we it's supposed to be a movie we haven't seen. Do you have a movie to assign us that we haven't seen? Oh, have you seen Happy as Lazaro? No. It's on Netflix. What is it? Oh my god. It is an Italian film. It is beautiful. It is magical. It is like magic realism about this boy who's like so sweet and he's not really sure about his world. He's sort of like a fish in the bowl kind of guy. And then this Marquez son becomes friends with him and it's just it's like a religious experience but also about like workers rights and like maybe how the cycle has like never ended about like workers labor and it's just beautiful and you should watch it man you had me at italian film that sounds awesome <laughs> yeah oh Sweet. my god I Damn, watched lucky it. Units, it came out like two years ago i watched it a year ago you should watch it now yeah now ago <laughs> <laughs> Uh okay. Uh, so yeah, what other? But what's her, what's that segment called? I don't know we have a name for it, but we talk about things that we're into right now, besides film school. So like, are there any TV shows you're hooked on right now, Natasha? Um, I'm currently watching Chernobyl. Um, it has uh, been how many episodes there? That there's four? only five. Five. But it's a I've been. Taking, I know it's a mini series. Don't fucking tell um, me that. Yeah, but I've been taking mental health breaks between each episode because it literally is a horror movie, and I'm gonna uh, coin the term true horror as the genre uh, I, I feel like other people have okay but is it really hard to watch like yeah i thought it was extremely hard to watch yeah it's a really it's a really brutal show i still haven't watched it um yeah. at first i remember watching the first episode and thinking like they're not even attempting russian accents or anything right like it's oh just yeah like, i thought that was weird but then it's you just don't care anymore and it just becomes so gripping and then you're like oh god this really happened yeah. oh god you know, it's terrifying. It's it's terrifying because it's only been like, what? It's only been 33 years since it has oh, happened. Man. And like, not to be like a conspiracy theorist or anything, but, but technically it would be like 70 more years before the radiation half-lives. So right. like, Jeez. you know, ev- like our world's exposed to it. And like, despite like the climate change apocalypse that's happening, like we also have this like thing that happened. It's like it's frightening. Like yes, it's it's, frightening. it's horrifying to watch. Okay, great. On that note, uh... <laughs> <laughs> but but also watch but, it, Natasha. But also watch it. I gotta watch it. Yeah, yeah, I need to watch it. It's important to what know. What TV shows have you been into, Moss? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No worries. Um, so I just started watching HBO Succession. Um, I have to say it's pretty solid, but I don't want to recommend it for everyone because I think it's a little trite near the end. Okay. So if you're not ready... What's like, the show about again? So it's about this, like, big business... Generic businessman who's, like, trying to... It, it starts off very generic, but his kids are trying to kind of, like, own his company. They're all kind of trying vying for succession. Um, and he's like... Whoa! Yeah, I know. I worked the title in there. Well, let's slip it in there. In the first episode, it's like, but, Dad, what about our succession? They all the look camera. at the camera. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, actually what I also want to recommend is a new game called Astral Chain. It's still full price and Nintendo games are super expensive, but if you can, Astral Chain is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, the controls are really unique and, uh, the graphics are amazing. And, uh, the story is actually written by Hideki Kamiya or like it's directed by Hideki Kamiya. Who's written a lot of really nuanced, really interesting action games, like actually playing on what it means to be like a killer who mindlessly kills these things that just oh. go to it's and you play as a cop it's very very interesting for what it is so astral you, chain i was just what you were going on to me about over text the other day uh yeah you didn't listen but yeah no, that, that's didn't. what i was i never <laughs> listened so zach you finish it off what are you um into? What, right are you, now, what are you doing man? i just finished watching the second season of disenchantment on netflix that was really good um and i've also been going through the boys on amazon actually oh yeah which is a lot better than i thought it would be it's really it's a really oh, addictive show bailey got um like a job on it for the second season what's she doing oh, congratulations oh, she's like a that's extra awesome. job but like, like she's an extra in it yeah oh wow that's hopefully cool. she doesn't have a gruesome death because that show <laughs> no, doesn't no, no, not. just like in From, a like background essentially yeah 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 but like how many days is she working on it um she already has done two so oh, that's pretty cool we'll she's making good money at least uh, yeah, it sounds like it. So yeah, that's awesome. Good for her. Yeah. Yeah, they proved the second season without even premiering the first. You know what's weird is I like the show, but if you read the comics, if you think the show is dark, Garth Enos's comics are so incredibly mm-hmm. more disturbing. Yeah. See, my friend who at work read the comics and he thinks the show's better. 
Uh, I, I think they're different. I do see why some people think that the show is better. I see why people say the comic. I think that they're just both equally pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like going through the boys. It's like, it's, I'm, it's like, I'm like way more addicted to it than I thought it'd be. Like, I really fucking like watching it. Like, it's really good. I mean, oh, yeah. to be fair, like, I didn't want to watch it at first because I was like, why is the boys? Like, I'm not interested in that. And then I found like. A show called The Boys? Yeah, like, literally. Like, and then, was offended. And then there was like literal like target marketing directed towards me about like the women in the film. And they're like, it's not just about the boys. And I was like, this is strange i guess i'm not the only one who felt this way but yeah there was a lot of like because that's a, i i i had i admire i don't, the, I don't like the title i, I think had, it's a weak title yeah it's weak right yeah. yeah it's it's definitely not the best it's but generic like, and it really doesn't apply to the show to me when i first i only picked up those comics initially when i before it became a show because i was recommended to if mm. i saw the boys on a thing and it was just like some guys in they jackets have with guns, i was like it. Yeah. It's not difficult There's, when you have a show. And it, again, brilliant concept, right? So like I I anyway. Enough of that. Okay, so yeah, we should wrap up here. Uh, Natasha, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thank we'll you. We'll probably for have you back. Have you have a good me. time? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I feel like I'm pointing a gun in her face. So. Like, <laughs> yes. It's kind of just like another day hanging out with you guys. But... Pretty well. It wasn't much different. <laughs> it's like, what are you working on? <laughs> okay, yeah. So thanks for watching. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh yeah, we... fucking download, rate, and subscribe to this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And please rate us on Apple Podcasts or on iTunes if you can. It will really help us get uh, more it's like traction. I just said that did or something, I... but I feel like I gave you a rating. You better have given oh, us a freaking rating. Heck yeah, I did. I, I listened to the first episode to see what I was getting your, into. You want to play your music video, by the way? My music? Oh, I am a part of a band. It is called Strawberry Blonde Jam. Where can we listen to you, Natasha? You can listen to us on Bandcamp. Our first Whoa. single is out. It's called Safety Net. Okay, awesome. So yeah, thanks for listening, guys. We'll uh, see you next time. Or we- listen to you next. Shut up, boss. <laughs> we'll see you next time, guys. Through the microphone. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs>